You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It is so great to be here back at the Loop. And uh, if you're joining us online, Digital Family, so glad you're here and Happy New Year to you. And can I just get a big shout out to Cyprus in particular? So um, Loop, that'd be great. So it's great to be with you all this morning too via uh, the loop. And so this is, this is pretty exciting. So my name is Jason. I'm the campus pastor at the Cypress campus. And so it's really, really fun to be home, uh, if you will, here back in the loop. I feel like a, a, a stranger in my hometown kind of thing. So uh, scripture says a prophet's not welcome in his hometown, but I hopefully that you'll be okay and you won't stone me by the time I leave today and send me by out, out to Cypress. It's been a while since I've been with you. I haven't, I haven't preached um, in 10 years uh, on this platform in this room. And so to be back today is, uh, is quite an honor. Actually, that's not true. I did, I was here for two or three Sundays, uh, but no one was in the room. No one showed up. It was COVID. So it's good to be here this morning with the room, uh, with, a, with a great uh, number of you here today to celebrate the new year and uh, expectantly to open God's word today and be together. So uh, thanks for, for being here. Um, about uh, longer than 10 years ago, uh, back in about 1987, in the spring of 1987, I think, as I recall, and, and as I get older, I was a senior at Baylor University, and I was taking a business ethics class, and I had a man who's passed away now, an incredible professor, he's my most favorite professor, and his name was Richard Tuning, and uh, Richard Tuning, he wore a bow tie, and he was very distinguished, he, he had round uh, glasses, and so he very much fit the part of a professor in college in the, in the 80s in particular, and so in this class, he asked for a volunteer one day, and so uh, I got volunteered by my peers around me, and so this was, uh, this, this was not an exciting time necessarily, and so he had a chair on up on his, the, the podium where he was, and he did just like today. He, he called me up out of my seat when I got volunteered and told what to do, and he said, come up here and sit, young man. And so um, I came up and I sat in this chair just like this, and uh, shivering and trembling, going, what is, what is he going to do? And uh, he asked this simple question there in the Hankimer School of Business, uh, in the building there, uh, in that room. He said, what is this? And pointed to me. Who is this? That was terrifying to sit in front of my peers and for him to say, what is this? I mean, he was asking the class and they were going to have participation. They were going to get to speak into what I was or who, who I was. This, existential, uh, this, this question that he asked was, was, was just an amazing, amazing uh, question to ask. Um, it was a question that was a deep and philosophical question concerning the nature of someone um, or the origin or something, something's existence. And so the class started battering around things, and, and they had no problem sharing what they thought I was, um, and it was, I was horrified, to say the least. So we just wrapped up um, 2022, which is crazy. I wrote, I wrote a check this morning. I know, that's a weird thing. Some of you are like, what's a check? It's, it's a little piece of paper, and you can write it, and then you can cash it or deposit it. But I wrote a check this morning, and I put 1123, which is, which is just unbelievable. But we just wrapped up uh, 2022, and uh, many of you, if you're on Spotify, you probably got uh, your wrapped um, Spotify, I guess, uh, summary of your music for, for the year. And so Paige got hers and I got mine and we were showing uh, what those look like and what songs we listened to and how many minutes we listened. And I won't tell you how many I did because it was way too many I looked this morning. But Paige's top song uh, that she had was the song, Who Am I? 
And it's not that Paige is having an identity crisis or anything. She just loves Need to Breathe. And that was a song that, uh, that she listened to the most times. And it wasn't, she, she said, please make it clear that, that um, I know who I am. And uh, it wasn't that many times. But it was enough to be her, her top song that was listed, listed uh, for uh, her rap on, um, on Spotify. And who am I is the question that seems to be everyone is asking. Whether you're a teenager, whether you're a single, whether you're married, you're a parent, you're an older person, you're a different season of life. It's a question that we all ask, who, who am I? It's that same question in 1987 that Dr. Tuning sat me down and said, who is this? What is this? Because at the core of who we are, we want to know who we are and what we're about and what our purposes are. Over the last year and a half, God has given me this incredible opportunity, incredible passion to minister and invest into the men of Cyprus. And so I started with this, this group that I, that I sent out um, uh, a survey to, to about 10 guys in their 30s. And I said, tell me the top four issues that men deal with in their 30s. And so they sent, they sent a, a plethora of things and they boiled down to, I boiled them down to about four. And the number one issue was identity. And so what I, I did after I met with them for about eight weeks, I ended up doing the same thing with 20-somethings, 40-somethings, 50-somethings, 60-somethings, and then 70-plus-somethings which I didn't have a whole lot to say to that group, but it was great to be with them. So from 20s to 70-something, 200-plus men I've gotten to be with and sit in a room and talk to and say, what is it that as men, as we walk through life together in every season of life, what is the issues, what are the issues that we deal with? And, uh, and the thing that came back, the number one, was identity. It seems like no matter what season we're in, where we are in life, how successful we are or how downtrodden we are, we are still asking the question, who am I? And that's what I wanna to talk to you about this morning for the next few minutes. Identity theft is a huge deal. Many of you maybe have had your, your, uh, your identity, uh, I was gonna say identity thieved, that's not the correct word, and identity stole. Um, and it's crazy because 1.4, uh, no, sorry, sorry. Uh, the Federal Trade Commission received 5.7 million total fraud and identity theft reports in 2021. 5.7 million. Uh, 1.4 million of those were consumer identity theft cases, which might have been some of these people in this room where your, your identity is stolen on a credit card or something like that, and it's a mess to figure out. It's a, a mess to prove who you are, get your Social Security uh, card uh, fixed and all those kind of things. Identity uh, is, is, is a huge deal, and it's a huge object of theft in our society. It's not a new thing because I want to go back today in these next few minutes and I want to submit to you that I've come to believe that identity theft is Satan's oldest and most effective plan. Identity theft, him stealing our identity and influencing our identity is Satan's oldest and I think perhaps the most effective plan that he uses in his schemes. Satan loves to tell us who we are and he speaks it over and over and reiterates it in different ways from all different people in all different situations throughout our lives. It started in the garden with Eve when he approached Eve and he said, did God really say don't eat that fruit? Did God really say these things to you? God doesn't want you to be like him. And he caused doubt in Eve and Adam and sin entered the world. So here's the deal. Satan's a deceiver. He's a liar and he is relentless. In fact, scripture says in John 10, 10, a passage you, you might know um, uh, well or fairly well, or maybe you've memorized, uh, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan is not satisfied with stealing. 
He's not satisfied with killing. As far as identity and who we are, he wants to destroy us. And I would say to you, as I look around our society and I look around our lives and our families and our world, he's doing a pretty good job. He's pretty effective at it. And he does the same to us. He's sneaky. He tells us a lie, and this is what I've come to believe. He tells us a lie when we're very young. He finds a crack and he steps into it and he tells us a lie and we believe it and we spend the rest of our lives trying to figure out that lie or to live um, trying to understand more and more who we, who we are, questioning that. He knows if he can steal our identity, he's got us. And though we, might not, though, though we might come to know Christ, we struggle with accepting his identity that he has for us and we live wounded. We continue, if, we're, if we know Christ, to uh, live in a life of sanctification and we grow and we grow and become more and more like Christ, hopefully, as we, as we grow. But ultimately, we live this wounded life in this crack that he's found in our identity when he lies to us. The reason he goes after identity is this. The who informs how we think and thus how we live. The who informs how we think and thus how we live. Whoever I decide, whoever I come to to, to determine and conclude that I am and the source of that, it informs the way I live and the purposes for my life. Look at society. We are deceived. We look toward social media. We look to Hollywood. We look toward friends and followers, jobs, talents, um, addictions, sin. All those things define our identity. Our, security cares, uh, our society cares more about social media influencers than truth and even common sense. It's amazing as we look and see the effect of social media in the, what it does to our, our identity. The more time you spend looking at Instagram or TikTok or Facebook and the amount of followers and the likes and what pop culture says you're supposed to be, to look like, to act, and your purposes are, the more you become that. And that's what we're seeing. That's becoming your identity and our, in our identity. Pop culture is determining our, social, our society's identity. Man, it's not your job. It's not your income. It's not your place in life. It's not even your role as a husband and a dad, as incredible as that might be, that's your identity. And ladies, it's not the role of a wife or a mom or the job or the, or the ladder of success that you achieve that, that determines your identity. Those can be good things and places of influence, but they are not to be the source of your identity. We, uh, we live in Cyprus. We've been uh, gone from the loop about 10 years now, which is crazy. It'll be 10 years uh, Easter uh, coming up in March. And we have moved out to Cyprus, and that's really become our community, and we, we love being out there. And so our, our lives are there. We, we go to church with people who live in our neighborhood, and we go to the cleaners and see people. We go in our neighborhood and walk. We go to every, the grocery store everywhere. Every, sometimes Paige is like, we're going on a walk. I need you. Don't make eye contact with anybody. You don't need another new friend. Let's just meet again. So um, I was at, at the gym this past week, or, or about two weeks ago, and this, this gentleman came up to me, and I've seen him around some, and he said, he, he, I had my um, AirPods in, and he did too, and he took it out, and he was very large and intimidating, so I looked up to him, and, uh, and he said, um, I'm, he told me his name, his name's Cardell, and he said, I, uh, I, I've seen you around, I asked a guy the other day at the gym, you walked by, and he said, who is that guy? He said, oh, that's the pastor. I'm like, that's the pastor. It's my identity in so many ways is the pastor. 
and I like being known as a pastor, but if I put my whole life into being known and my identity is built around being a pastor, it, it's gonna end at some point. I'm not gonna be a pastor anymore. That's a role, that's a purpose, that's a, that's a, that's a vocation. It's a called vocation, a calling on my life. It's what I do, but it's not my identity. And for so many of us, what we do and our place in life becomes our identity. And I don't think that's scripturally correct or what God wants for us. Christian, it's not what you do, it's not where you live, it's not what you look like, and it's not how much money you make. That's not our identity. Levi Lusco has a great quote. He says, you can't live right if you don't think right. You can't live right if you don't think right. Proverbs 23, 7 says it like this, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So here's the question. If we find ourselves, um, we've been stolen from, we've been discouraged, and we have been uh, maybe on the, on the, on the precipice of, of being destroyed as far as identity by, by the evil one, how do we get back our true identity? How do we come back to who God has created us to be? What do we do? This is it. Jesus shows us the greatest weapons. And this is what he used uh, to fight those same exact things. He used his identity, which we're going to look at, and then he used his word, his identity and his word. And we're called to do the same thing. Jesus knew who he was. Well, of course he did. He was God. He was, he was fully deity, but he was fully man as well. And he knew that. He's different than us. He is but he also lived as a man. We see this in, in Matthew chapter four, and this is uh, our first scripture. We got a couple of passages we're gonna read uh, just in the next uh, few, few moments. And this is what it says in verses one, and we're gonna read one verse, verse one through 11. And Matthew is writing this. It says, and then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. But Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and you will worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only as you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Jesus was man. He was God. He was tempted in the same ways we were. And if you look at that, Satan was relentless. He didn't just tempt Jesus one time. He tempted him three times. Um, and, he, and he did that at three different, different elements and different aspects of his life. Jesus' baptism... Um, uh, that we are, we're going to look in just a minute and just uh, right, right above that. Um, it says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. In whom I'm well pleased. Look just above that in, in chapter three, it starts like this. It says, then Jesus in verse 13 came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to see me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now. For thus it is fitting uh, for us to fulfill all righteousness. 
Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to him and rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son and I am well pleased. Jesus' baptism, this phrase right there in, uh, in that first verse, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. His identity was sealed right there. The voice of God, the voice of his father spoke and he confirmed and identified him as his son, and he was well pleased with him. Just as Satan speaks into our identity, God speaks into our true identity as well. The timing of Jesus' baptism was by no mistake, I think. It was, it was, it was just prior, um, and his, his identity was sealed just prior to when he was led into the wilderness to be tempted. Um, notice in verse four, uh, I'm sorry, chapter four, verse one, it says, then. So right after he was baptized, Cyprus, he went right into, um, right into the temptation, straight into the wilderness and temptation by Satan. And the first of the two temptations started with, if you are the son of God. Do you see that? Satan is questioning Jesus' identity, the very first thing. It had just been sealed. God had just spoken it. He'd sent a, a physical sign in the form of a dove. And he said, I am, you're not only my son, I'm well pleased with you. And then immediately, it looks like he goes into the wilderness and is tempted. And the first words out of Satan's mouth are, if you are the son of God. Just how he works. Jesus had to know who he was before he entered into the wilderness in order to withstand temptation. If you look at your life and you're just beaten down and you can't figure out what is going on, I would encourage you today to step back and go, who am I in Christ? Go back to that identity if it was sealed in Christ. Satan went right for the, ver the jugular, I mean, from, from, from the beginning in three different ways, and he misquoted and he perverted scripture. He used scripture to tempt Jesus. But Jesus uses scripture as a weapon to again reiterate and nail down um, his identity in who he is in his relationship with Jesus as well. He tempted to physically temptation, emotional temptation, and the temptation to control. Think about those real quick. Emotional, physical, and control. Do any of y'all are tempted in those ways? Emotional, for sure, physical, emotional. Does anybody have a temptation to be, to be controlling in the room besides me? It's amazing how Satan comes at us. But Jesus knew who he was and Satan's plan had not changed a bit. And so when the attacks come, when the attacks come on our identity, we have to use the same two weapons. We use the word of God. And what does the word God say about my identity? That's where we need to go. And that's the question we need to ask. And then we use the word as what it's called in the armor of God. It's the sword of the spirit. It's part of the armor of God. We use it in def defense and offense in, in, deflecting, um, and, um, in deflecting Satan and his, his arrows and his attacks on us. So we use the word of God. We also uh, renew our minds. We renew our minds. Romans 12, 1 and 2, uh, it says to no longer be, uh, we need to be not transformed by the world, but transformed by the renewing of our minds and to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. And then we're to take every thought captive, every thought captive. Second Corinthians 10, five says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought 
to make it obedient to Christ. There was a time when I nailed down my identity. I was 12 and I came to the realization that I was a sinner, that I was not good enough. I, if, I, if I put my works and the way I performed uh, up, up the, even the, in the first 12 years of my life and what God expected, there was, a, there was a void, there was a vacuum. And it was only by God's grace, only by God's sacrifice through his son, the son of Jesus who lived a perfect life and sacrificed himself on a cross. If I received him as my, my, my savior, I needed a savior that he would save me and I would be reconciled to be in that, that um, initial relationship that God created me to live in. And not just for now, but for eternity. It was that day when I was 12, um, when I became a Christian and my identity was sealed. My identity was sealed. Sadly, as I go through my life, as all of us do, we continue to be tempted. We continue to be barraged by Satan's attacks and his lies. And I've gone through my life wounded. I've gone through my life asking, who am I? What am I about? What's my purposes? Am I going to let society tell me what I am? Am I going to let my kids tell me what I am? Am I going to let Paige tell me who I am or the church? I have to go back to what does Jesus say I am? And in Christ, he tells me what I am. That day as I sat on that chair in that, that room uh, at Baylor University, you're probably wondering what they said about me. I don't remember exactly, but this is what they did come to. They came back to that I am an image bearer of God. I'm an Im image bearer of God. I submit to you today that every one of us, every person who has ever been created was created in his image. That's what scripture says. We are created in his image, the image of God himself. It's an incredible thing. It's an amazing thing. Ephesians 2.10 says, Fear, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works for which he prepared in advance for us to do. And so the word workmanship there, you probably have heard this from Pastor Greg or some other Bible study, but that is the Greek word for poem. So your life, my life in Christ were created and we are poetry. We're masterpieces. We're a work of art, a piece of art. We're an image bearer of Christ and we're a masterpiece, a poem that he created for us. And he created great things for us to do in advance before we were ever born. In Romans verse uh, seven of, of chapter one, if you go back when we started Romans back in the fall, I think the first week Pastor Greg looked at uh, verse seven, it says to all who, all of those loved by God. Digital family, today, you are loved by God. That's part of our identity. Image bearer, a masterpiece, a poem. You're loved by God. Isaiah 43, one, this has become just such a great, powerful verse for me. It says, fear not for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name and you are mine. That's our identity. Christ, if you are in Christ, he's redeemed you. He has called you by your name and he says, you're mine. Remember when Jesus was baptized, he said, this is my son 
with whom I'm well pleased. 2 Corinthians 5.17, my favorite verse in the Bible, says that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. In this newness, this newness of even 2023, this, this another year of kainos, the Greek word as Chris reminded us is, means new. He has plans for us. In Jeremiah 29.11 says he has plans for us and his plans to prosper us and not to harm us, but to give us a hope and to give us a future. That's an incredible identity to know that I have a future today. It's not just now, but a future plans he has for me as well. He says, I'll go ahead of you and I have plans of victory. So in this new creation, he's got things for us. He didn't just save us to leave us. And all of this, I think most importantly leads to his purpose because this identity informs how we live. And we find that in Matthew 4, 19 where Jesus says to Peter, when Peter's fishing, he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. When you follow Christ, something happens in our head. We make a decision with our Christ, with, with, with our mind, sorry, and we follow Jesus. And he says, I will make you. That means I'm going to change you. And the verb there means I am continually making you. It involves our heart. So you got your head, I follow Christ, I've made a decision, which that's what I did when I was 12. I will make you, he's been changing Jason Swigert for the last, how many years is that? 46 years. As he continues to make me and change me through changing my heart. And then he says, I'll make you fishers of men. That's my hands. That's my purpose. And that means I'm on mission with Jesus. So my identity comes out and, and, and informs my purpose is that I'm a follower and I'm being changed by Jesus even now and into the future and I am on mission with Christ. I'm not just to go to work and make money. I'm not just to go to Cyprus and build a bigger church. I'm not just to love the people in my community. I'm not just to be a godly dad and a godly husband. I am to be on mission with Christ. And that's part of my identity. Identity equals follower. Our identity is not about how many followers we have, get this, but it is who we are following. Think how upside down we are. How many times do how many of us look and see how many followers or how many likes we've had on a particular platform of, of social media in a given day? But then do we look back and say, Lord, am I following you as you're calling me to follow you? I've got a picture for you. I want to show you my family. When I left here 10 years ago, our boys were a senior in high school, actually a junior high school, a freshman, and a seventh grader, I think. And in just about a month and a half ago, we celebrated our, our, our third son, not third in age, but the, the last son to get married. So Chambers is on the right. He was 11 months old when we came to First Baptist. His wife is Aaron. That's me next to him with the gray hair. And then that's my stunning wife, Paige, there. Um, and then Harrison, our middle son, and his new wife, Sydney, he's our middle son. And then Preston, he's 22, and that's Lindsay, and they were married in June. So we had two weddings in the last six months. So who would have thought? A lot of people call their, uh, their family a team. 
or a crew or whatever. Somehow, in, and some of you have heard this, somehow in our chambers at his wedding four years ago in the rehearsal dinner, I let this word slip of, we are Swig Nation. And so we have become Swig Nation. We call ourselves that. We have Swig Lanta because Harrison and his wife live in Atlanta. We have Fort Swig. Preston and his wife, Lindsay, live in Fort Worth. And then we have Swignolia, who live in Waco. That's Chambers and Aaron. And then we have, um, we have us, page nine. So, it, you know, it's a cute name. To me, it's really purposeful, and this is, this is the way it is. For 17 years, we sat right there. You're in our seats. It's okay, though. Sunday after Sunday, this church, Pastor Greg, um, Life Bible State teachers, all kinds of people poured into my family, poured into my boys, poured into their identity of who they are in Christ. They're all three baptized in the baptistry here. I had the privilege of doing that. I don't want a team. I've got a team I cheer for. I cheer for Baylor. I cheer for the Rockets. I cheer for the Astros. I cheered for Georgia last night. I even cheered for TCU as a Baylor Bear. <laughs> That's not the point. I want to build a nation. I want to build a people who are sold out to the purposes of God and have Christ as their identity. So as Swig Nation continues to grow at some point, uh, we're, we're praying for that. Um, and as, as God does that, that's, that's my hope and my prayer is that legacy continues, that we would be a people, a nation, if you will, just as God called a nation to himself. I want him to call our family to himself, that have purposes and identity that are bigger than ourselves, bigger than ourselves. All three of those boys, I've said, you are my sons and I am well pleased. Parents, if you have kids, I don't care what age they are, let me tell you what I would ask you to do today on a new year. I want you to call your kids. If you see your kids, I want you to put your hand on their head and I want you to say, you are my son or my daughter and I am well pleased with you. The power of a parent speaking identity in your children is, is priceless. We'll never know that power, except when we look at our heavenly father and he did that for Jesus, his son, who's our savior. Do that today, I encourage you. So as we end of the year, I wanna ask you a couple of things to reflect on. Who's gonna determine your identity in 2023? You might be rock solid in who you are. You might not be tempted in any kind of way to step over here and, and people please over here or perform for this person or, or feel like I have to have this image or I have to, have, to, have to lead this life. You might be just so set in with Christ and that's an amazing thing. But I don't think that's where most of us, including me, are today. So in 2023, who's gonna determine your identity? Romans 8, 14 says, for all who, have, who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. Are you willing to follow Jesus? Not just give him your life when you became a Christian, when you got saved, but are you willing every day to wake up and say, Lord, what is it today that you have for us? And I wanna follow you in that. I wanna be on mission with you. And then what do you need him to do as he continues to make you, if you will, make you, I'll make you fishers of men, what areas need to change in your life? I've got this bracelet on, you can't see, I'm not a bracelet guy. In fact, I've never worn a bracelet. Paige has never known me to wear any kind of jewelry but a watch and my wedding ring. And, um, 
And one day, uh, about six months ago, a guy in our church walked up and gave me uh, this bracelet. And it's called a Fishers of Men bracelet. It's by James Avery. And it was so powerful because I was preaching, uh, I think a week after that, and he had no idea. And I said, Todd, um, I'm preaching this verse in a week. And so I wear this to remind me if I'm at the grocery store, if I'm out where I am, if I'm at the gym, if I'm at the cleaners, if I'm at home, if I'm in traffic, I'm a fishers of men. My identity is in Christ, but that informs who I am and what I do. And I fish for him. And that's what we're called to do. There's a song called uh, no, no Impossible With You uh, by a group called I Am They. And this is, these are the words, I thought it was so good. There's no heart you can rescue, no war you can't win, no story so over it can't start again. No pain you won't use, no wall you won't break through. It might be too much for me, but there is no impossible for you. It's on my wrapped. First Corinthians six eleven says, you were these things. If you remember back when we went through that, um, that passage just recently, uh, not, not, sorry, not Corinthians, but we were in Romans and we jumped over to 1 Corinthians and Paul lists this whole list of things of you were a glutton, you were an idolater, you were a drunkard, you were a gossip, you were homosexual, all these kind of things. And he says, you were these things, but God, right? So Satan says, you're all these things. And then God says, oh, no, 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 you're not. If you know me, this is who you are. And this is who we are. Look at Ephesians chapter one, where it says, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. That's who we are in Christ and who he wants us to be. Jesus is everything you're looking for. I did a, I did a funeral uh, service just recently. And um, as I sat there with the people that gathered, there were, there were people who were Christ followers there. There were people that were friends. There were people who were peers. Um, and it, it, it reiterated to me again, the world is looking for security, love, acceptance, um, to be known, to make a difference, all those kind of things. And in Christ, all those things are found. Literally everything. There's security, there's peace, there's comfort. There's purpose, there's salvation but there's not control. And that's the one thing that we won't give up. So the world is looking for what Christ has to offer, but we're not willing to accept it. It's, it's mesmerizing here, except to me, except the only thing I can come to is it's a scheme of, the, of, of Satan. It's a scheme of the devil. Today, I wanna to ask you, do you know Christ? Do you know Christ? Are you on mission with him? He wants to be your identity. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. I thank you, Father. God, that you're here. Lord, uh, we, we've set this thing. You've set time in motion, Lord, and we're in a, a time right now um, celebrating a new year. I like that. I think you created that, Lord, because there's a, there's a, there's a reset, if you will. And the reset when we can, we can look back and we can look ahead. We can make changes. And so, Lord, today, I pray, God, that if anyone doesn't know you today, that that would be the set. That would be the reset. 
Lord, I thank you that you're a God of new, you're a God of identity, you're a God of salvation, you're a God of love, you're a God of purpose. And Jesus, may we find our purpose in all those things and our true identity in you alone today, for this year, and for the rest of our lives as you have us on this earth. We love you, God. We love you. Thank you for this year. And may it be a happy one. And not just happy, but a year of joy, the joy of Christ. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations, at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.